0: Welcome to The Parenting Show with Pina Crispo from ChicMama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday and welcome to The Parenting Show. I'm your host Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca and um, we have an interesting show lined up for you today. One of my favorite guests, I love all my guests but we always have so much fun with her and of course I'm talking about Dr. Jess, sex and relationship expert. And anytime I have her on the show, because she's always on the show, we always have a good time, don't we, Jess?
1: We sure do. I, I don't know if it's the topic or, or the people, but <laughs>
0: some math is adding up for us. You know what? I think it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. And Dr. Jess, I, I just realized that I usually have you on this time of year. It's something about the summer. I have you on different times of the year. But there's always something about the summer and summer loving. The birds are out there singing. The sun is shining. There's less clothes on people. What is it?
1: I mean, I think it's got to do with mood, right? So the, you know, in in Toronto and in Canada, the mood is just, it's so low when it's cold, when it's gloomy. And we've actually had a really nice Couple of weeks here, right? A couple, of, yeah. you know, June's been a little bit warmer, and so I think that when you have more energy, you get out more. When you get out more, you move your body more. When you move your body more, it affects your libido. Uh, you know, it's so hard to get in the mood, especially over the last fifteen months while we've been sitting in the same space all day, every day. So even though we're not entirely back to normal, even though you know we're still feeling frustrated, and I, I think I'll speak for myself when I say a bit impatient. Uh, I'm here with you yeah because we get to go roller bleeding and walking or running or even like just tossing the disc or the or the football just getting that adrenaline flowing and then the blood flowing through our veins it, it feels so good doesn't it
0: yeah it's so it's refreshing and it's revitalizing there's just something about it and it's true the winter months I don't know like you just I, I am not a winter person at all. So I kind of want to stay inside under a blanket, you know, just not even really socializing, but then you've got the sun that comes out and we just, you know, we just kicked off summer here. We had a beautiful summer solstice last weekend. Um, But there's something about it, you know, and like you said, it's, it's, you get out there, you get moving, it gets things going. And, uh,
1: And we all need it right now, don't we, right? Like, so one thing we've seen over the course of the last year or so is that people are less in the mood, right? We're so, there are so many different reasons why. Of course, uh, we're feeling down. We're feeling more anxious. uh, The kids are always home. Your partners are always home. Our options for, you know, getting excited and being entertained have dwindled down. We're dealing with hypervigilance, like kind of always walking around on our toes. You know, Mm -hmm. who am I too close with? Am I wearing a mask? Are they wearing a mask? You know, all of these questions. And that's just exhausting on the system. So you've got nothing left at the end of the day or the end of the week or whenever it is you tend to do it. So maybe this is exactly what we need. Some sunshine, uh, you know, fresh air, getting out. Even like the beaches are packed, the bicycle paths are packed. I think- Oh, maybe this is you know the beginning of our new transition
0: back to our new normal oh I really really hope so I Ah. hope so so is there a like a direct correlation with summer and an increase in our libido like or is it just something that yeah you know we kind of figure but is there science behind it are there facts I don't know
1: That's interesting. Yeah, there have been some studies on whether or not people hook up more often during certain seasons, but the data is really pulled from from online dating and i think even facebook data in terms of who says they're in a relationship at specific points in time
0: and those yeah and
1: it can be correlated with the warmer months but i actually think it really depends on the people because i'm not a winter person either uh but some people are you know one of my very good friends loves when it's when it's cool out so i think that you know in so much as the weather affects your mood and your activity of course, it can affect, you know, testosterone production, which is only one small piece of, uh, of your libido, but also how does it affect your relationship, right? So yeah. are you fighting at certain times in the year because you're in each other's spaces or are you getting along better, for example, in the winter, because you're spending more time together rather than, you know, going out? I always think those things are more, if not more, um, as important as just hormone levels in terms of, you know, getting in the mood because people can say, for example, you know, I'm, I'm not in the mood because my testosterone is low, but are you, are you not in the mood because your
0: testosterone is low or is it because your partner's pissing you off? And it's really interesting that you say that because you, you, you made mention that you're with your partner a lot. So that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you were talking about the winter months, but we're just getting out of lockdown number 5,326,000 here <laughs> which, you know, that went through so many different seasons. And that's something too, a lot of people, I find that it has brought them closer together, like more on an intimate level, let's say. And then some people are like, I love you, but you're in my face a little too much. And I'm not interested right now. Going back to what you were saying about libido dropping, you know, so- Yeah, that's a really
1: great point that you can be getting along with your partner and feel closer to them than ever and feel more intimate and feel more connected. And at the same time, those feelings for many of us, especially those of us who tie eroticism to risk, those those closeness feelings actually aren't that exciting. So yeah, I love you and I really value this relationship and I'm glad we've invested this time together. And at the same time, I need some space in order to find you exciting, right? So novelty is exciting. Unpredictability can be a turn on. The familiarity can be really comforting and we've needed comfort more than anything over the last little while, but not exciting. It's not a panty dropper. So (laughs) uh, we're going into this transition phase now where we have to figure out how much time do we spend apart? How do we, ease? like, I'm struggling with that because I usually travel for work and I usually spend a ton of time apart from my partner, right? Like I'm on the road, maybe 70% of the year. He comes with me a lot, but not all the time. And, uh, you know, I I always have missed him. And now I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get used to sleeping by myself or, you know, see like having to squeeze it in with him when I have the time. So it's going to be something we have to negotiate together. And I think that other people are going to find the same thing. Right. When we think about, you know, usually the homebody gets together with the social butterfly. Right. So many partners, Mm -hmm. one's a homebody, one's a social butterfly. And in many cases, the homebody, if they're the type of homebody who wants that butterfly home with them, which isn't always the case, um, they've had it their way for 15 months, right? They've gotten used to that person being there. So how are you going to navigate like, oh, I'm going to go play baseball with my friends or I play ultimate with my friends. or I'm going to go for beers after work. Uh, So I think this is a good time uh, before everyone goes back to working from the office, because so many people are still working from home. This is the perfect time to have those conversations.
0: And would you say, you said squeeze it in as well, right? Like, you know, it's like, should we be scheduling time or should we, going back to that, like excitement, spontaneity, like, you know, should we be like, no, let's just go with the flow and make it exciting. Or is it like, it's dwindled, I'm not really feeling it. So we should schedule something so we can connect. Or is that like, not going to work in your favor if you schedule it? So that's a great question. So I think
1: that we need to kind of shift the conversation from scheduling to anticipating because nothing in life is entirely spontaneous. All the most exciting things we do, whether it's like a big party or going on a vacation or anything exciting, it is always scheduled. And even if you go back to when you first met, even though you didn't formally schedule sex, you cleared the night, you waxed or shaved or did whatever you did, you cleaned your sheets, you changed your underwear, you spent that time together, right? You didn't have plans to check in on like kids or other things later in the night. So it it has actually always been scheduled. And we have this idea from the movies that, you know, we're supposed to, you know, go out for a date night and walk in the door and tear each other's clothes off. And the reality is if you don't make time for it, it will not happen. It's the same thing for friendships, relationships, work, fitness, anything you value, you schedule. And so I don't mean you have to put it in your calendar, like 9 p.m. Friday night, (laughs) the sex. But if you can, you know, have a conversation with your partner about how often you want it, like, you know, in an ideal world, we wish we did it I don't know, two times a week or three times a week or one time a week or two times a month. I don't care, whatever your number is. And then you can kind of take turns secretly scheduling. So if I know that like in my relationship, we want to do it three times a week because that kind of meets both of our needs. So sometimes I'm going to have to clear my schedule and kind of pull him away from work. And sometimes he's going to do the same. So I think that a balance between scheduling and surprising is is a good idea especially if you've gotten into a rut so there's again if you are saying no i just want it to happen naturally i would challenge you and ask you know are you really making the time for this? Are you really prioritizing it? Are you making an excuse? Because you just don't want to put the effort in and anything that is worth doing requires some effort. And and the other thing I I really want to say is that libido is not something that lives within you. Libido is something that you can cultivate, right? So libido is not, it's not like, you know, sex is always desired spontaneously. For most people, sexual desire is actually not spontaneous. It Mm -hmm. is responsive, meaning you have to do something to get get in the mood. So sometimes you actually have to say, you know what, I'm not in the mood tonight, but let me reach for my toy and see if I get there. Or I'm not in the mood tonight, but you go down me, you, you go down under the covers and let's see where that takes me. So sometimes you have to get physically aroused before the subjective or mental desire follows.
0: Whoa. I'm liking it. I'm liking all the advice you've got for us. And you always have amazing advice. We are talking sex. We're talking summer loving. We're talking just getting back to it after like a long, hard lockdown. Um, Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Dr. Jess right here on the Parenting Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Now back to the Parenting Show. With Pina Crispo on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. And on The Parenting Show, we're talking sex. Because guess what? We wouldn't be parents if it wasn't for sex, guys. That's what brought us to where we are today. And who better to talk about sex than my good friend and good friend of the show, returning guest... Sex with Dr. Jess. Dr. Jess, I'm so happy to have you back on. I'm so happy to see you um, through Zoom. That is, Hopefully I know we'll be in person soon though.
1: I know it's so nice to see your face. But yeah, we need to get back in the studio. It's so funny that you say that we wouldn't be parents were it not for sex. Yet kids are the thing that kill our sex lives, right? Like they're the, the, the big factor, and any therapist will tell you, or any sex sexpert, or anybody who works in sex. They hit that, you know, postpartum. And then, of course, there's, you know, a readjustment period, two years, five years, and they're still not able to get back into it because kids are the the uh, erection sex killers, killer.
0: <laughs> the sex killers, the children. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, it's so true. And we were talking a little bit about the pandemic before and how it's brought some people, some people closer, but it's also like, you know, gotten some people like just like, I'm tired. I don't want it. And kids have a lot to do with that because it's not only are we with our partners all the time, but it's also our kids all the time. Now, take it a step further. What about the single parents? Oh,
1: I mean, being a parent during this time is just on another level, but being on your own with the kids can be so much. However, I, I want to say that I have so many clients and friends uh, who ha- who co-parent from different homes, right? So they're separated mm-hmm. or divorced and they're they're feeling so good about their arrangement. Like the kids having the kids one week on, one week off. Uh, and they're like, you know, I kind of get the best of both worlds. But if you don't have that support, if you don't have that kind of 50-50, the exhaustion, right? And here's the thing there's just so much pressure. It's like, you must have all the sex. You must enhance your relationship. You must perform. You must, honestly, if I could have one message for people right now, it's, it is take the pressure off yourself. Do what feels good. You want to have sex, do it. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. You want to, you know, have solo sex, order a new toy. But if you don't, that's okay too. But I don't know if we talked since the data came out around adult toys and the fact that, the sales were actually soaring near the beginning of the pandemic. Like some of the companies I work with were reporting triple digit gains what? over projections. Yes. Because people were like, I, you know, like Canadians were talking, stocking up on toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> Americans were stop, stocking up on ammo, but the Europeans and in some other places they were ordering
0: sex toys. Well, I have to tell you something, Dr. Jess. And during our shows, I, I, you know, I share a lot about myself and in one of our first shows, I told you that I was never one to masturbate. And I'm like, I'm open and honest guys, that's it. I'm saying it, there's nothing to hide. Um, I was just never one to, to do that. And then through my shows with Dr. Jess, she's like, Pina, you know, we gotta, you told me like, there's nothing wrong. You were very clear in saying there's nothing wrong if you do or if you don't um but then you got me thinking about toys and i got my hands on a wee vibe was it the um, moxie
1: you got the panty yes, vibe yes,
0: yes the wee vibe moxie The <laughs> moxie and that opened a whole new door uh for me and i have to say um those those numbers and the data from the sex toy companies that you're talking about and how like numbers have just gone up because sales have like shot through the roof. I have contributed to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I love that toy because that's the one that you can wear out of the house. You can wear in a meeting. You could be wearing it right now and we just wouldn't know. Yes, that's a, kind of a revolutionary <laughs> right? one.
0: Yes. Yeah. So so I started with that. And since then, it's I haven't looked back. I've uh, I've made a few more purchases during the pandemic. And um, let's just say I'm very happy. <laughs> nice.
1: I love it. I love it. A lot of people are shopping these days. Like I'm, I'm noticing that even on my Instagram, when I'm posting the toys, more people are clicking on them. Lots and lots of questions. And the industry is also getting more innovative, right? So it's not yeah. just vibrators. There's all these other options for all bodies, like whether whether you like to play in the front or the back or whether you have a Volvo or something else, there's, there are so many options out there for you these days. And
0: it's so, like, I think it's so important and it's something I never, like, honestly, I'm 41 now, so I'm late to the game or am I? Are there any stats actually? Or do you know, like, is it, is it because like women hit their peak a little bit later on maybe?
1: Yeah, so it's peak's an interesting one because when we think about peak, it's again not just about hormones and age. It also has to do with like messaging and letting go of shame and taking control of your body yes. and feeling entitled to pleasure. Uh, and I think that there's going to be some generational differences because I do think we are raising young people. If we look at um, you know, younger millennials and Gen Zs, and then below that, raising them to feel as though their bodies are a temple, their bodies are, they're, they're entitled to pleasure in their bodies. So for us, I think, uh, you know, for some people, it has to do with relinquishing shame, and that can take time. Yes, Whereas yeah. if we're not raising kids with the same degree of shame, um, maybe they'll be embracing these options uh, at a younger age. And we are seeing this, you know, like college age, people talking about it. Uh, when we think about vibrators, and I know, you know, parents might be thinking like, well, what are you talking about young people and vibes? But when you think about, you know, being sex positive, and encouraging your, the young people in your life to, to be safe, to do what feels good for them, to make sure everything is underscored by consent. Toys actually can be a really valuable tool there, right? There, there's no risk of STIs. There's no risk of unwanted pregnancy. You're doing it when you want to do it. So I actually think there's a lot of power and empowerment and opportunities for conversations when it comes to toys. And then when we think about pop culture, like there's all the different toys showing up in, in television shows. So your teens are seeing it or, and even tweens. So it's a good, what we call teachable moment, a good opportunity to say like, do you have any questions about that? Or what do you think about that? Or have you heard anything about that? Or how do you feel about that? Uh, and start these conversations from a younger age. I don't know if you know that, that that's my background. I was actually a high school teacher. And that's how no. I know. Yeah. So that's why I'm in this field, because I was teaching long time ago back in uh, you know downtown Toronto at an alternative high school with the Toronto District School Board. And young people were coming to me every day with. So they were my students were 16 to 20 and they you know were in abusive relationships. They were dealing with STIs, un, unplanned pregnancy, sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment, all of these issues that young people deal with and have nowhere to go. So that's why I went back to school to study in this field, to train and support high school and, you know, and junior school teachers to have the resources at their fingertips because teachers are kind of just thrown into the fire. It's, you have to teach this topic that is highly personal, that's highly divisive, that, you know, gets people very upset at times where people don't have a ton of information and there's no textbook, right? You don't send yeah. them into math class or English class or geography without a textbook. And they're expected to teach this very difficult topic Uh, without the supports they need. So, you know, talking to young people, I I think popular culture has changed everything. Like it's an opportunity when you see something on TV. uh, If you feel awkward, that's a sign that you should talk. It's not a sign that you need to know everything. It's not a sign that you need to be, you know, their encyclopedia, but it's a sign to say like, oh, that's awkward. Like, how do you feel about that? Or have you heard anything about that? Or have your friends brought that up? Uh, And the, you know, you can do it at an age appropriate age throughout
0: the lifespan. You know what, I'm glad you're saying that and I'm glad you brought it up and you're talking about teens and tweens um, for all the parents listening, because that hasn't even crossed my mind. You know, I've got Samantha who just turned 10. I've got my daughter, Liliana, who's eight, and then my son who's five and a half. So I've, I've got a little bit of time, but it's something that has never, honestly, never crossed my mind to start talking, you know what I mean, about these conversations about toys with them once they hit the the Preteen, teen years, um, and I think it also has a lot to do with the way I was raised in a traditional Italian, a European mm-hmm. family, where a lot of shame, you know, surrounded this topic, and it was like, you know, growing up Catholic, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about that, you know, like it's, it's a totally different world now, and I think that you are bang on when you say that these conversations need. To be had.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, I need to teach my five year old what a toy is. Let me be no. very clear. That's not what I'm saying. But let's just say a five year old did find your toy, right? Your reaction sets the tone for every single sex related conversation moving forward. So you could, you know, hide it in shame or get mad at them or tell them not to touch it. But if they were to find something and say, what is this? You can say, oh, that's, that's for adults. It feels good on our body. And if you say that to a five-year-old, they're going to move on. Whereas yes. a 10-year-old might have more questions. I mean, to be honest, a 10-year-old is going to have an idea of what it is, right? But you can say, oh, that's a vibrator. It's for adults. Um, it's something that feels good on our body, right? And they're probably going to move on. They're not going to be like, you know, a two year old might have a gazillion, you know, inquisitive <laughs> questions. But uh, I, this is an opportunity to be honest, right? And if they were to say, you know, for example, like, well, when can I have one? You might say, you know, in a couple of years, we can talk about that. And again, I'm not prescribing to parents what you should or shouldn't do, because if this isn't aligned with your values, that's okay. You don't have to do it all. But what I do hope all parents are doing is creating some open line of communication. And if you're really uncomfortable talking to your kids about it and you don't want to do it, that's also okay. But hopefully you're leading them to find resources that they can connect with. Because let me promise you, if you don't answer their questions, Google and YouTube will. And that is not necessarily going to be an accurate... Exactly. So there's a great account out there on Instagram called Sex Positive Families. So, sex-positive families—if you check them out—they have answers to all of your questions. Like anything that a, a young person could ask, they've flushed it out. They have free guides on their website. They're always offering at tidbits of information on Instagram. So, they're a really great account to follow. If you have younger kids, there is a YouTube series called "Amaze," like amazing. Okay, and. Cool. There are cartoons that you can watch together or that young people can watch. Uh, There are so many different options to, and I I think about this in terms of homeschooling for the last 15 months. And I know we're coming to the very end, but sex ed is something that's been left out of the conversation. And when you think about, for example, that age of 10 and a half, that can be a very pivotal age where they need to learn uh, about bodily autonomy, about consent, not consent to sex, but uh, consent to a hug, or consent to, um, you know.
0: Any physical touch, Exactly,
1: right? uh, and even like when I think about emotional boundaries, uh, like asking a friend, you know, can I unload on you right now, as opposed to just unloading on them on the spot, right? Or, you yeah. know, I've, I've got this severe mental health thing I'm dealing with, do you have space to hear it right now? Because sometimes your trauma, sharing that without consent, can feel traumatizing. So all these conversations intersect, right? What intersects? When we t- we moved all the way from, you know, talking about vibes to talking about consent, but not all of them are about sex specifically, but if you can develop the skills for communication, uh, understanding, empathy, consent, emotional literacy, from two years old, those skills become transferable to, you know, the issues they face when they're 11 or 12 or 16 or 17 or 40
0: and 41. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I, I, stuff like that also helps them like in the long run with relationships, you know? So there's so much communication. You mentioned communication um, and not only with our kids on this topic, but with our partners, we are talking sex with sex with dr jess we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with more Let, let's carry on with this whole communication thing dr jess don't go anywhere global news radio 640 toronto you're listening to the parenting show with pina crispo on global news radio 640 toronto It is Sunday night and you are tuned in to Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is The Parenting Show and I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. My special guest tonight is sex with Dr. Jess. I'm talking about Jessica O'Reilly and we're talking, we're talking all things sex. We we spoke a little bit about uh, sex during the pandemic. We spoke a little bit about toys and, uh, and our kids and having important conversations with them. And what... That is down to the root of it. It's communication,
1: right, Dr. Jess? Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, you know, we all think we're good communicators because we talk, but the flip side of communicating is listening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. And so couples both sometimes say we're great communicators because they both are very verbal, but do they really stop and listen to understand, right? Are you listening to understand or are you listening to interject, and that's something I think that, that we can all work on. And, and when you're communicating about relationships or conflict or feelings or sex, uh, you're, and maybe you're not doing this all in front of your kids, but the first three you probably are, you're modeling for them how you deal with intense situations, how you deal with uncomfortable feelings, right? So if you're feeling uh, you know, insecure, which I think many of us have, have been feeling as of late because we're no feeling gosh, a lot yeah. of negative emotions. So if you're feeling insecure, is it a feeling that you can name and acknowledge and work through? Or is it something that you deny and you maybe withdraw or deflect or attack? And, you know, kids pick up on these things. They are learning not only communication skills from parents, but also emotional literacy, right? So I'm, I'm in the business of sex, but really I'm in the business of feelings because yeah. every human feel- every human interaction is underscored by feelings, right? Like, you know, anywhere you go, you go to a restaurant and they treat you a certain way. You have a feeling that either really wants you, makes you want to go back there or makes you never want to go there again, right? Like everything. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's a casual relationship or something long-term feelings are always involved. So, you know, the way you talk about your feelings in front of your kids is so important. And the way you make space for them to talk about feelings right like instead of saying don't get angry or you don't have to be sad maybe say like well what does it feel like when you're angry like if they if they're blowing up can you say what are you feeling in your body right and that is such an incredible emotional yeah. literacy skill um, sometimes we call it emotional presence the capacity to describe what you're feeling in your body and attach it to a feeling so if I'm feeling anxious been feeling a lot of that lately yeah. um, what there. does it feel right what does it feel like in my body right am I kind of I twitch my nose I notice um, I kind of I click my jaw uh, I squeeze my thighs uh, one thing I, I there's another sex therapist and I, I have to pull up her name to make sure I give her credit but she talks about like, checking in with your butt Right? Am I tensing my butt? Because the, oh. the the tail can really tell you how you're feeling, just like a dog, right? And so helping your kids to navigate that can help them to better understand A, what they're feeling, but also kind of recognize feelings in the body before you recognize it in your mind. So sometimes yeah. I'm feeling anxious and like my mind hasn't been able to identify it, but my body has. And I can say, oh, actually my breasts are shallow. So let me just take a minute and take five. Slow deep breaths, which I can do when I'm driving and anxious, when I'm in a meeting and anxious, when I'm in bed and anxious, when my, you know, your family's pissing you off. And what do those five deep breaths do? Well, they attenuate some of those feelings of anxiety because you're offsetting some of the anxious physiological symptoms. And like that's something, I mean, maybe you're not going to explain it to a kid like that, but if a kid's really angry, you can say, like, well, how do you, what are you feeling in your body? Right? Like, well, how does it feel in your body? And when they tell you, you can say, you know, if you were to take a big deep breath in and blow out like you're blowing a candle and blow out, do that four or five times. Now, how do you feel in your body? And they might say, like, oh, I'm still angry. Or you might, <laughs> they might say, like, okay, a little bit, a little bit looser. Or, you know, I, it hurts a little bit less. And, and so the, these are skills that we need to learn as adults because, you know, our parents didn't really raise us with our parents. Like I think about my parents who are amazing, but you know, they had bigger concerns, like just putting food on the table and making sure they were okay. Like my mom, you know, immigrated to this country. They weren't, emotional literacy wasn't their first focus. Uh, But I will say I'm watching people in their
0: seventies and eighties develop these skills. So it's never too early and it's never too late. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also um, communication with our partners is key because, If you don't communicate, it can be a make it or break it situation. And like you said, it's, we can all, we're all like, oh yeah, we're great communicators because I can talk the talk, (laughs) but it's about listening. Like you said, it goes both ways and it's hearing what they like, like hearing what they are saying, taking it in, absorbing that. And then, you know, what are you going to do with that information? Um, so I think that communication, bottom line, it doesn't matter with who, um, is, is important and key.
1: Right. And ongoing, right? You don't
0: have to wait for there to be
1: a conflict. Uh, you were, we were talking about our Instagram accounts earlier, and I had last week posted about just a relationship check-in. Like every week to just check in and say, you know what, what are we doing well right now? Um, What are you working on right now? Is there anything I can do to support you? And what are you most looking forward to? Right? Those are four simple questions. It might be different than what I posted on Instagram because there's no formula, but checking in on the regular and and just saying like, you know, how is your day to day? Like, what what are you feeling? And it doesn't have to be a therapy session. It could be a quick conversation so that you aren't letting it get all pent up and bubble up and then explode
0: explode and right now more than ever I hate to go back to this whole like you know COVID life but it is the life that we're living in right now you know so it is it is important to to sit down and just just ask like I know that you're with that person like if you have someone your partner that you you've got a partner at home that you're with them all the time and you're thinking well I'm with them I'm with them 24 7 like Mm -hmm. what do I need to ask but it's really important to ask And to find out what they're feeling
1: deep inside. Yeah, and it's really about quality over quantity. Like the quantity of time can be irrelevant if the quality of the time isn't really meaningful. And this applies whether you're, this applies to parent to child, um, friendship groups, as well as partners.
0: Oh, Dr. Jess, man, there's like so much going through my head when I talk to you and I'm like, Okay. So now, now, okay. We were talking about communication. We are talking about communication with our partners. We're talking about communication with our kids. Um, But what about that self-talk?
1: Yeah, that's a big one. The way we speak to ourselves. And I, you know, we always kind of go back to that uh, cognitive behavioral therapy tactic to ask yourself what your best friend would say, right? So when you're being hard on yourself, Uh, if your best friend were there, what would they say to you? Because they'd probably be much kinder and much more patient or flip the scripts. If your best friend was going through this, how would you speak to them? And can you be as kind to yourself as you are to your best friend?
0: Dr. Jess, guys, I don't know. She's like the best. Don't go anywhere. We've got more right here on the parenting show, global news radio, 640 Toronto. back to The Parenting Show with Pina Crispo from chicmama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Sunday night and you are tuned into The Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Guys, we're talking about sex. We're talking about sex with Dr. Jess O'Reilly. Sex with Dr. Jess, my girl, uh, returning guest to the show, one of my favorite guests. And, uh, and Dr. Jess, oh, we've covered so much so far. But I wanna know, I wanna know what is trending when it comes to sex right now? What's like, what's the big thing? Hit me. Well, we're seeing some shifts
1: in behavior because of the pandemic so this this isn't something that lasted two or three weeks it's been going on for over a year and so of course that's going to shape the way we date and mate and relate so I was actually doing some work with Plenty of Fish the you know dating app and they're finding some really interesting trends so one of those trends suggests that one night stands one night stands might be over they might be a thing of The past, so they they did a study with you know almost three thousand daters aged eighteen to forty, and over half of them say that their views on sexual intimacy have changed because of the pandemic. Um, They're using more technology, of course. Uh, There's a shift toward more emotional intimacy Mm. over the physical, and a number are saying that. They may not be into one-night stands anymore. They might be more into a friends with benefits relationship. Uh, we're seeing many people who are practicing this new trend called room mating. So hooking up with yeah, a roommate room. or someone they had known for years platonically. Um, so since the onset of the pandemic, 76% say that they have pursued um, a friends with benefits situation. So that's a big chunk, right? And 85% of those said that their friend of choice in that friends with benefits arrangement was a roommate or someone they had known for years, uh, you know, platonically. So there's the the factor of proximity, of convenience, of Safety, this shift toward connecting with people and not just letting it be that wham bam, thank you, man. There's also this piece around fear, right? You know, if we look back, uh, we've been told to physically distance, we've been told to bubble. So it's not like you can just kind of go out on the town. The other thing we know is that one night stands. The sex doesn't tend to be particularly satisfying, particularly for straight women. Uh, And so, you know, when you're with someone multiple times or you know somebody more intimately, you can tell them what you like. So it
0: can be just a little bit more satisfying. That's so interesting. It never even crossed my mind, but it totally makes sense. You know, we've been going through this, you know, 15 months of, you know, six feet apart, six feet apart, masks, you know, don't hug, don't touch, that it totally makes sense that one night stands may be a thing of the past, you know, because really, it's like... (laughs) Are there going to be vaccination passports for one night?
1: Well, you do know that they're in dating profiles now, though. What? Yeah. So there are actual badges. So in down in the States, for example, the White House partnered with a number of apps, including Plenty of Fish, to create an I got the shot badge that goes on your dating profile. So when we think about the pandemic, pandemic shifting and, uh, you know, molding the way we date and relate and mate, uh, it's right down to like, I guess down to the app level, but also up at the governmental level for the White House to be encouraging people to obviously get the shot, but also communicate uh,
0: that they got the shot with others. Okay, that's like mind blowing, like what? But it's kind of cool at the same time, because like you said, you know, safety is a huge thing. Safety is a huge thing.
1: And it saves you having to ask. So let's, and I'm not telling anybody what to do or how they should date or whether they should get the shot. That's not what I'm saying, but let's say that you're a dater and what matters to you is that you are vaccinated and you really are only comfortable hanging out with people who are vaccinated. That's your right, your body. You can't tell other people what to do, but rather than having to like, you know, go through all the small talk, what's up, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And then say, oh, have you got the shot? You have the option to put it right on your dating profile.
0: I like that. I like that idea. And I think that it should be like picked up by like all dating profiles, you know, um, it's your choice if you want to put it up or not,
1: but at exactly. least that
0: option is there and it, it kind of saves that, you know what I mean? Maybe it could be an awkward conversation, right? Like, or like, Oh, do I ask? Don't I ask? I don't right. know. Right. And it's also,
1: I, you know, you can end up not having to waste your time. If you, it, it's sort of like indicate if there are deal breakers uh, let's say, for example, I don't want date a date a 70 year old. Like that's not within yeah. my age range. That's why I see people's ages and I can say, okay, that person's 71. Nope. 69. I gotcha. But once yeah, yet, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, a little, still a little old for me. Right. Or I wouldn't date someone who's 21 probably. Yeah. And so I can see that in their profile. So it, it's very interesting to watch. Uh, we're also seeing this shift toward using digital technology to connect. So we used to see online dating as kind of a means to meeting in person. But what we're seeing now is that meaningful relationships can develop online. And so the dating apps are also adjusting and creating features built into the app so that it's not just to connect in order to get together it's that you're actually connecting online like the you know live video streams um, different video chat functions dating options online different games that they're integrating so it's it's very cool to see the way things are shifting and the data again from the same plenty of fish survey found that people plan on continuing these digital connections so whether it's sexting or video chatting or other things that their phone sex even came up on there with like a a fairly high um, prevalence. Uh, They're going to continue to do these things even after the pandemic is over.
0: Wow. Talk about trends. There is a lot going on, a lot going on and some really cool things have, you know, the pandemic's been crappy. Let's face it. It's been crappy, but some cool things have come up and it's cool to see how people's, um, People have shifted their mindset on things, especially when it comes to sex and relationships.
1: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things is is that we're having more meaningful conversations. Actually, when we hopped on today and I asked how you were doing, rather than just saying good, good, which is kind of what we feel we should say, we're a little honest about what's going on. And so uh, to me, that creates just like a stronger connection between us. So this this broader range of emotional expression, uh, I think, is a, a trend that I expect to well outlast the pandemic and a very positive one.
0: I love it. Jess, Dr. Jess, where can people find you if they want more amazing information?
1: You can follow me, Sex with Dr. Jess, uh, and it's sexwithdrjess.com. And of course, I have a podcast that uh, we talk about everything from emotional literacy to orgies to sex clubs and everything in between that I host with my partner, Brandon. Uh, And if you head to the website, you'll find all the information about my books, courses, podcast.
0: And I have to say, actually talking about sex clubs, if you're ever in Amsterdam, you need to go check out a live sex show. Like you just got it because it's like it's an experience and a half. Um, I just needed to throw that in there for a second. I love it. You said that. Um, And Dr. Jess, I know you've got some books out, but you've got uh, your most recent book, which was a co-authored book. Yes yeah, so with
1: my co-author Marla Renee Stewart it is called the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and foreplay but it really is about communication and understanding what you need to have happy intimate and sexual relationships.
0: And you still have more you've got the podcast you've got the book well books um, including the, this this most recent one and you've got a show.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes. I have a new show called Intimately You with Dr. Jess, Fridays at Midnight. Uh, It's through, it's presented by the shopping channel. Actually, it's TSC. I keep wanting to say the shopping channel, but it's actually today's shopping choice, but TSC, Uh, Fridays at Midnight. And we are talking about all sorts of sex and relationship topics, but also showcasing sex toys on national television. So exciting. I love it. It is so exciting. I have to send you some clips of me selling the, the strokers and the vibes.
0: (laughs) Well, there goes sales and there goes um, my bank account. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Jess. Um, You are absolutely amazing and you are a wealth of knowledge. It's always a good time having you on the show. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And guys, if you want to listen back to this show or any of the shows, you can check us out on iTunes or anywhere you can get podcasts, because trust me, if you missed any of this, you're going to want to listen back. We will catch you next week because that is it for us right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, Sunday nights, eight o'clock. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. Have a great night, everyone. And go,
1: go get it on. <laughs>